the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, it is, and welcome back. Thursday, April 7, 2022. I mentioned yesterday I went to a bookstore in town. We don't have a lot of them anymore, so I'm guessing it serves a larger community than it even used to, and it's been around for years. It's in the central Phoenix corridor near several prominent high schools and elementary schools. I used to be worried about drug dispensaries near our schools. I'm now worried about bookstores, too. When I walked in, I was looking for a gift for a young man. I immediately recognized the authors of the books all in the welcoming or front display. And I recognized them because we've talked about them a lot here, almost none positively. Robin DeAngelo, Ibram X. Kendi, Pete Buttigieg. And I thought, okay, wow, they're trying to make a play for a certain audience. Then as I went through the rest of the bookstore, and it's fairly well-sized, good-sized bookstore, I realized there was not one single book, not a one, I would want to buy or give a young man, in this case, one entering high school. I would not want to give a single book in that bookstore to anyone, except perhaps as a practical joke. The first thing I thought was, why would a business isolate 50% or more, maybe 70% of its customer base? Then I realized that's exactly what they want. They want that 50-plus percent of people who don't agree that reparations to ourselves is the most important thing. They want people who don't think we are a systematically racist country. They want people who don't believe in white privilege or fragility to disappear. They want us gone. They don't think we have any legitimate point of view. They want our thoughts, ideas, and books simply gone. Our views, our authors, our perspectives are untermenschen, below dignity. And then just for fun... Yesterday, as I was going through a a lot of children's literature in the past several weeks regarding the Florida legislation, I went to the children's section of this bookstore, and they had a subsection marked toddlers. Toddlers. So we are speaking children less than five years old. We're talking three- and four-year-olds. And the first book I saw was a children's book teaching the alphabet called A is for Activist. I looked up the author. He's a self-described Marxist. And I went through a few pages. For the letter L, each page is, you know, a letter of the alphabet. For the letter L, we get, Bill, want to guess, LGBTQ. It says, love who you choose because love is true. Liberate your notions of limited emotions. Yeah, because, C-U-S. I'm I'm not making that up. Teaching the children to read is not the point. Teaching them uh, to think correctly is the right point. Now, you may ask what three- or four-year-old, what seven-year-old would even understand those words, liberate, limited emotions, LGBTQ? I have the same question, but it's the wrong question. It's wrong because it's irrelevant to the author and the bookstore. The point is not for kids to learn how to read or comprehend sentences or vocabularies or words. The point is to train and brainwash and propagandize them. One might say to even intellectually and psychologically groom them. And the younger, the better. 
My favorite, just because it's so dang easy to see what is going on here in this book, A is for Activists, was how they handled the letter D. It's a blue donkey and a red elephant. The donkey looks normal. The elephant is angry and wearing a military hat. And the D says, little D, democracy. More than voting, you'll agree. Dictators detest it. Donkeys don't get it. Got it? Republicans and elephants who represent them are militant with the military hat. Dictators. Called dictators. Democrats and donkeys who represent Democrats are Democrats. You could not be more clear on your effort to erase the field of Republican or conservative notions than that. Donkeys are Democrats. Elephants are tyrants. Again, of course, as if a three- or four-year-old understands democracy or Democrats or tyrants or dictators or Republicans. They don't. And, of course, that's not the point. But the kernel can be planted. Republican equals dictator. Toddlers. You see, the very hungry caterpillar and where the wild things are and Dr. Seuss, they were not getting the job done. As was sung in South Pacific, a musical, by the way, for adults, Professors Rogers and Hammerstein well understood. What did they write? You've got to be taught to hate and fear. You've got to be taught from year to year. It's got to be drummed in your dear little ear. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught to be afraid of people whose eyes are oddly made and people whose skin is a different shade. You've got to be carefully taught. You've got to be taught before it's too late, before you are six or seven or eight. To hate all the people your relatives hate, you've got to be carefully taught. Note well, before it's too late. And seven and eight, it's too late. Now, you can begin to appreciate the animus against Florida, can't you, for banning the sexualization of children before fourth grade, but not after. Note, too, in the Rodgers and Hammerstein song, they were ahead of their time. They were progressives when they wrote that song in 1949. That was five years before Brown versus Board of Education and nearly 15 years before Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. And the point then was not to judge people based on their color. Try finding that ethic in Ibram Kendi's book, Anti-Racist Baby, where, by the way, on the first page, the illustrator's opening note tells these children to be wary of, quote-unquote, state violence and, quote-unquote, white supremacy. Things toddlers know about, of course. I'll tell you something. When I was four or five or six or seven or eight, I would not have been able to process the notion of white supremacy. Hell, Whoopi Goldberg is nearly 70 and still doesn't get it, thinking as she does that Adolf Hitler was not a white supremacist. And state violence? Yes, of course. Implant fear into children at age four and make them fear cops. Make them fear authority. Let's see how that works out. Well, we do see how that works out. We built menaces to society, in the words of Theodore Roosevelt. For those who are tired of seeing this, fear not. If you need new titles, you're tired about hearing about anti-racist baby, fear not. For Ibram Kendi is coming out with another children's book this summer. Its title, Goodnight Racism. Taking over the imagery and memory from 
the classic goodnight moon. Because who doesn't want to put a child to sleep in the land of wink and blink and nod thinking about how society hates that child because of how he was born? Why wouldn't that be a great nighttime story for a kid? I've asked this before and I think it's worth re-asking. Can we not leave the children alone? I mean, must we recruit them to our causes at all costs, including their childhood? Never mind their mental and social development. What are we doing to our children? From toddlers to teens, from toddlers being instructed in complex sex and race theory to Teen Vogue promoting the virtues of communism to the Cartoon Network promoting the virtues of transgenderism. In the Republic, Plato says, shall we just carelessly allow children to hear any casual tales which may be devised by the casual persons and to receive into their minds ideas, for the most part, the very opposite of those which we should wish them to have when they are grown up? And now mandating the kinds of things we mandate for our children? We evidently clearly cannot leave our children alone. In New York, everyone is free to be maskless except those aged two to five. We have put the fear of the devil into our children, first with COVID and yanking them out of school and all their school and after school programs, including athletics and religious exercise and any group activity. Then we masked them. Now, not only have we provided the fear as if mandating, they all watch the Joker, Alien and the Exorcist. We have divided them against each other and are now in the world of shaming them from race issues and sex issues to, of course, still COVID. Anything received into the mind at the young age is likely to become indelible and unalterable, Plato writes. And therefore, it must be important that the tales which the young first hear should be models of virtuous thought. Then our youth will dwell in the land of health. There's no nobler training than that, Plato says. Yeah, the left gets that too. They get how important it is for the tales which our young hear. To be the models, not a virtuous thought, but a political thought. But when you think about noble training, I think it's worth pointing out that we actually need to be taught that ourselves. I think I know why we need to be instructed in this, and it goes back to something Roger Scruton once said. All the best things we have when abused will cause bad things to happen. You can plant into a child good as much as you can plant into a child bad. You can implant the beauty of reason and you can implant the ugliness of awful passion. I've talked about fairy tales before here and how we teach children. I've cited Professor Neil Postman's work. I think he gets it just right, by the way, in his classic book, Saving Childhood. Dr. Postman put it this way about protecting children. From fear and panic, he wrote, the importance of fairy tales lies in their capacity to reveal the existence of evil only in a form that permits children to integrate it without trauma, to contextualize it. This is possible not only because the content of fairy tales has grown organically over centuries and is under the control of adults, but also because the psychological context in which the tales are told is usually reassuring and therefore therapeutic. But Postman came to a dramatic conclusion when he was looking at the way younger, excuse me, newer books were coming out for our young. He, he asks, what does it mean that our children all of a sudden now know what our elders know? It means that they have become adults or at least adult-like. It means that in having access to the previously hidden fruit of adult information, they are expelled from the garden 
of childhood, the Garden of Innocence. So why have a toddler section at all then, one may ask? Well, for the same reason Mao and Stalin had communist youth movements and Hitler had a Nazi youth movement. You want to prime the brain and create a customer for life. And reading about an innocent boy eating apples from a tree that someday exhausts itself and then can only provide him shade or a place to sit or a caterpillar overeating or someone who doesn't like his eggs green, that's not going to do it. Not if we're going to catastrophize and politicize our children. You know, the Bible was great training for the wonderful story of six-year-old Ruby Bridges who did more to end segregation in Louisiana than all the children's book publishers put together. Of course, she was prepared for what she had to face and deal with and teach all of us because she was taught love and not hate, which is the right thing for six-year-olds. Anyway, that's what they're up to. I just hope we all know it. It's not just our schools, folks. So for those who say if you don't like the school, leave, or if you don't like the channel, change it, you cannot turn off or change the channel of our culture. We have homeschooling as an option for some when it comes to education. I'm now going to suggest we have home bookstores, too, and we can build that together if you want. Meantime, we are well out of the school yards and classrooms, folks. We are facing the onslaught against our children everywhere. They can change it or we can. Fear and anxiousness in raising children creates fearful and anxious children and then fearful and anxious adults writes Heather Haying and Brett Weinstein. Used to be we tried to calm and nurture children, not put them in a permanent panic. But then again, the permanent revolution in the crisis industrial complex must be fed and does not believe in concepts like age appropriate. It believes in getting to the kids as soon as possible, for you can change this country in a generation, as Ronald Reagan warned. And I fear we have. I'm Seth Leibson, 602-508-0960. We will be right back. Well, welcome back, 602-508960. Yeah, there's a lot here I got to get to. Uh, Ann Applebaum, um, she she writes for The Atlantic. She's uh, a Pulitzer Prize winning journalist. She is an expert on Europe, particularly Russia. She used to have a regular column in the Washington Post, I think, before she moved over to the Atlantic. You will see her op-eds in all the fancy and elite newspapers, her essays in all the fancy and elite and cult, uh, uh, magazines like Foreign Affairs. She is uh, – how should I say this? I mean she's the equivalent in Washington and New York of a, um, of a Tom Friedman. Thomas Friedman of the New York Times, someone like that. I'm trying to think of other analogies. There's so few in this rarefied feel. Uh, may, maybe Paul Krugman, but more respected than Paul Krugman, if, if, if you can kind of pick up what I'm putting down here. Uh, so, so, so she's, she's you know, one of the elite smart people of D.C., all of this in quotes. Um, she, um, she was at the University of, University of Chicago and giving a talk at their Institute of Politics. And a student at the University of Chicago asked her a really good question. She had, back in 2020, uh, poo-pooed the Hunter Biden laptop story in some fairly scurrilous language and promoted the whole notion that, you know, this was Russian disinformation, this Russia expert. 
Uh, so she was asked about it, uh, given all the stuff that has come to light. Um, she has. Uh, she was asked about it uh, at the University of Chicago. Smart student, undergrad. Uh, listen, listen to this and listen to her answer. So, amazing. Thank you. Thank you for doing this. Really appreciate it. I'm Daniel Schmidt. I'm a freshman at the University of Chicago. My question is for Ms. Applebaum. Um, so in 2020, you wrote, those who live outside the Fox News bubble do not, of course, need to learn any of the stuff about Hunter Biden, referring to his laptop, of course. Uh, a poll later after that found that if voters knew about the content of the laptop, 16% of Joe Biden voters would have acted differently. Now, of course, we know a few weeks ago, the New York Times confirmed that the content is real. Do you think the media acted inappropriately when they instantly dismissed uh, Hunter Biden's laptop as Russian disinformation? And what can we learn from that in ensuring that what we label as disinformation is truly disinformation and not reality? I mean, my, my problem with Hunter Biden's laptop is I think it's totally irrelevant. I mean, it's not whether it's disinformation or I mean, I don't think the Hunter Biden's um, business relationships have anything to do with who should be president of the United States. So I, I didn't find I don't find it to be interesting. I mean, that that would be my problem with the, that as a as a major news story. All right. Now, the conference is titled Disinformation and the Erosion of Democracy. I don't think you could have had more disinformation from her answer. She doesn't find it interesting. You know, the way these people talk, these elites talk. Because she doesn't find it interesting, we should all follow in her path. Yeah, you know, credible expert here. No, there's nothing to see here, so you shouldn't focus on it. Just as she said in 2020, outside of Fox News, no one needs to know about this. Um, and, and difference doesn't make effectively sure her point in her words is what do Hunter Biden's business dealings have to do with the president of the United States? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? What do Bibi Rebozo's business relations have to do with Richard Nixon? What did Donald Trump's – what do the Trump Organization's business interests have to do with Donald Trump's presidency? What did Eric Trump have to do with Donald Trump's presidency? What did Billy Carter have to do with Jimmy Carter's presidency? What did Neil Bush have to do with Bush's presidency? All of that mattered. And you know why? You know why it mattered? Because they were Republicans. But you know what you have here? You actually do have a lot of evidence that does flow up to having things to do with Joe Biden's presidency. Her position, nothing to see here. It's not interesting to me. You know, good on that freshman student. Shame on her and all the cultural elites. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. I'm Seth. Um, two kind of neat conversations I had yesterday, uh, today and yesterday. Um, let me do the one from last night. Uh, we were talking about uh, – was it uh, having dinner with a friend? And we were talking about you know my whole thesis and theory about the crisis industrial complex, the permanent revolution, the state of angst – and anxiety we're always put in and how we leapfrog from story to story to get there. So, you know, whether it was uh, COVID or, 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 or race, uh, and then, then it became uh, – we went, we went pretty quickly from race to sex and children to Ukraine and Russia. And uh, 
they were talking to me about my friend was talking to me about what is next because this Russia thing she said was um you know watching a lot of it and it's sickening heart you know it, it stomach churning and and sickening when you when you delve in and watch what's going on the kinds of massacres that are taking place the kinds of things that again remind you that the notion of never again was a lie and um and 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 she said so you think this hunter laptop story will will be the next thing and my answer is no we'll see if i'm right my answer is it won't be because it doesn't come from the left we conservatives maybe even independents to some degree or another uh we will care about this story for a lot of reasons uh, three off the top of my head would be consistency. You know, if corruption's bad, corruption's bad. And uh, if fairness is a value we still hold, it doesn't matter if you're an R or a D. That's 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 certainly one reason. Another reason is uh, this is not just corruption uh, with Ukraine, which is on our side. It's corruption and earnings from China, which is not on our side a communist country that we are at daggers drawn with. And then the third thing that I think animates a lot of our concern is the suppression of this story altered an election. It altered an election. And the Democrats thought that they had it kind of in the bag in getting rid of all the other allegations of election irregularities and Joe Biden's um, uh, succession to the presidency by 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 virtue of nothing but the most free, fair and honest elections in history. They thought they got us. Excuse me. They thought they got us and themselves through all that. And now this thing comes along. So. Quite contrary to Ann Applebaum not finding any of this interesting, the student, the freshman, he got the number wrong, but he got the point right. The student at the University of Chicago pointed out, and she just you know, blew right past it because it's an inconvenient truth. Remember, in a conference on disinformation in the media, she blew right past his point that a good number of Biden voters, a high enough percentage of Biden voters, 9.5% in the Media Research uh, Center's poll, said that if they had heard of the Hunter Biden story as reported when it first came out, they wouldn't have voted for Biden. This polling took place in six swing states. Had they not voted for Biden, that nine and a half percent would have translated to 300 electoral votes to Donald Trump, making him the reelected president and not Joe Biden. Yeah, that is altering an election. That is changing an election through disinformation, by the way. What disinformation? Censoring the story and for those that it did creep out into the world to denouncing it as Russian disinformation, which it isn't and it wasn't. All roads lead to Russia, Nancy Pelosi said. Do they? For Donald Trump? That's what she said. For Donald Trump, all roads lead to Russia. Uh-uh. It's for Hillary and Nancy and the Democrats where all roads lead to Russia. Everything they don't like about Republicans Make it a Russian. It's interesting why they choose Russia to be the boogeyman. I don't know. I suppose if you think about it, it suits their their woke narrative because you could never make the enemy 
You could never make the enemy <clears throat> a, uh, a racial minority in this country. By the way, Nancy Pelosi evidently tested positive for COVID, I see. You will not see the homicide ideation and fantasy on Twitter about her that you saw from the left when Donald Trump got COVID. Why? There's one answer. We're the people and the movement and the party of the decent. And we wish her a speedy recovery if she's ill, but we wish her well regardless. 602-5080-960. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, brought to you in part by the folks at Balance of Nature. Balanceofnature.com is where you go to get your fruits and veggies, which I take every day. When I say I take fruits and veggies every day, it's a one daily dose. You just do it once a day. What they have done is they have taken fresh, whole produce, great stuff on the veggie side. It's broccoli, cabbage, carrots, cayenne peppers, shiitake mushrooms. Wheatgrass, spinach, kale, onions, uh, zucchini, all the good stuff. In fact, it's a blend of 15 whole vegetables. And they use uh, uh, their uh, advanced cold vacuum process to get the vitamins, minerals, and phytonutrients of those fruits and vegetables into vegetarian capsules. It's 100% natural, all of it. There is no added sugar. It's gluten-free. There are no extracts or synthetics. You take it once a day, and you are powered to go. Pure, potent, plant-powered to go. I've been taking it for three years. I would encourage you the same. Balanceofnature.com. They're fruits and veggies, my favorite product I've ever endorsed. And I have to tell you, if you use the discount code BALANCE, you'll get the best deal possible. Balanceofnature.com. Discount code BALANCE for their fruits and veggies. On to this Hunter Biden story because it's not just – the censorship of it having changed the election, it's, yes, this issue of corruption within it. Hunter Biden was not playing desert solitaire. Hunter Biden was not only corrupt in himself, he was corrupting of others. Let me read to you from the good folks at Issues and Insights. So far, the lurid news reports of global influence peddling sex and drugs emanating from Hunter Biden's abandoned law laptop and its thousands upon thousands of damning emails have been treated solely as the risque escapades of President Joe Biden's ne'er-do-well son. However sad this episode may be, we've been told it has nothing to do with the president himself. Oh, really? In In fact, based on what we know so far, President Biden could be in a world of legal trouble. Ordinarily, Influence peddling involves a middleman with access to someone powerful. Middleman uses his access to a powerful politician or official to obtain money and or favors from a third party who in turn wants favors or access from the powerful official. Strangely enough, the Supreme Court in recent years has actually softened its treatment of this behavior, in essence saying that we know what we normally call influence peddling is actually just part of our democracy, unsavory though it may be. Yeah, defining deviancy down so that we can become Ukraine all over again. This allows such curious practices as political lobbying to occur. Essentially, lobbyists are well-connected people who sell their access to others, and it's legal. Legal except that is when the politician himself benefits financially. Then it's corruption and a bribe. 
The Justice Department has made it clear in recent years that it's a violation of federal law for any federal, state, or local government official to ask for or receive anything of value in exchange for or because of any official act. Public corruption is, in fact, a federal crime. With this in mind, the White House is circling the wagons to argue that whatever Hunter did is his problem. Joe Biden knew nothing about his escapades, so he has no legal culpability. But just this last weekend, White House Chief of Staff Ron Klain said of the possibility that Hunter Biden might be prosecuted for selling access to his father, quote, they're private matters. They don't involve the president. Meanwhile, the White House spokesperson Jen Psaki said the president stands by his comments that he's never spoken with his son about overseas business activities, but not so fast. As law professor Jonathan Turley noted, this is how you influence people in Washington. You give money to their siblings, their spouses, their children. And that's what happened here. Now, the statement that this has nothing to do with the president simply ignores reality. The president is referred to in many of these emails. And while the press has agreed that the laptop is legitimate now, They have really tried to avoid talking about what is on it. And those emails refer to the president under code names like Celtic and the big guy. In one email, a person is actually instructed not to refer to the president by name. President Biden's claim of not knowing about Hunter's business dealing simply doesn't hold water. Indeed, a photo from the laptop currently making the rounds shows then-Vice President Biden meeting in the vice presidential offices with Hunter's Ukrainian, Kazakh, and Mexican business associates. Yet another photo shows that Hunter and his father were posing with Kenneth Rakishev, a Kazakh oligarch who reportedly worked with the former Veep's scandal-scarred son. And all the way back in 2020, when Biden was the Democratic nominee, the tireless New York Post, which deserves a Pulitzer for its reporting, published emails indicating Hunter Biden introduced his father to a Ukrainian oil executive before the vice president pressured Ukrainian government officials to fire the prosecutor involved in an investigation of the shady organization one year later. One year later. What about the dinner that Joe had with Ukrainian, Russian, and Kazakh associates of Hunter's, including Russian billionaires Elena Baterina, who allegedly gave one of Hunter's firms $3.5 million. What's Joe Biden's explanation for that? How about the explanation for what Tony Bobolinsky, who used to work for the Biden, said? He said Joe was involved in Hunter's business dealings and that the 10% for the big guy was Joe Biden. This should have done Joe Biden in before the election, but the liberal media didn't press Biden on it. So what's Joe Biden's explanation for that? And then there's the curious conversation between Hunter Biden and his daughter, Naomi, about the peculiar financial ties he has with his father, Joe, where he talks about how he has to prop up the family and give half of his income to the rest of the family to support them. It's no longer enough for the president to simply say he knew nothing, like Sergeant Schultz, I suppose. It's quite obvious he had an active role in Hunter's business affairs based on a growing mountain of evidence. That's the interesting thing. I'll come back to this in a moment. But the growing mountain of evidence, the mountain of evidence isn't getting smaller. It's not becoming more and more anodyne or innocent. It's getting thicker. 
and more pregnant with corruption and scandal. Biden, as of now, has remained largely untouched by this. Largely. But the FBI is reportedly putting evidence before a grand jury right now. An investigative journalist, Paul Sperry, reported in 2020 that Biden was under an active criminal investigation into his role in the Ukrainian influence peddling scandal. But we've heard very little since. Maybe when it's with Democrats, they actually do keep those grand juries impanelments secret. When it's Republicans, they leak all over the place. But with the burgeoning evidence that Joe Biden knew nothing about Hunter's business dealings overseas becoming quickly a lie and likely benefiting from them as well, at minimum, it would seem to require a special counsel to look into the matter. Anything less, given what we now know, would be a cover-up, which, as we know, is always worse than the crime. Yes, yes, yes. Let's do a special counsel on this. Let's. Let's do it. I'm Seth Leibson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. I sometimes wonder about what the history books looking back 20, 30, 40, 50 years hence will say about the times we live in. And when you think about the debate that was taking place, is still taking place in Florida between Disney Florida and, you know, the teachers that want to sexualize our children and the Disney employees that want to sexualize our children and the Florida governor and people of common sense who don't. What do you think a history book will look like 20, 30, 40, 50 years hence while that debate is taking place? The U.S. Senate just confirmed to the Supreme Court someone the biggest complaint about them was being soft on prosecuting and sentencing child pornographers. What do you think the history books will look back and say about that? It's kind of a it's kind of an odd thing. Was the did the country care about this or did the country not care about this? And then you know, back in when I was when I was doing research, we would use. Do people even know what microfiche is anymore? Do you know what microfiche is? <laughs> Do you? You're a little younger than me, so it was probably gone by then. We had to, if we wanted to look up the New York Times, we had to go to the microfiche. Uh, fish. Uh, back, you know, if we wanted to go back to the 60s or 50s or 40s or before that, they don't have to do that anymore. But if you go back and read, you know, what the newspapers of record and the op-ed pages were saying, and maybe even the blog posts and the websites about the Florida controversy, controversy, you'd, you'd think the country really gave a damn about this, that there was a real cultural war going on over the sanctity and safety of our children's social, emotional, and mental health with regard to sexualization of them. And then you would see something about what was going on simultaneously as if two wheels were just operating independently with no teeth concurring with each other that we nominated to the Supreme Court and then voted to approve to the Supreme Court someone who is soft on all this stuff. Do we care about it or don't we, is my point. Do we care about this or don't we? Well, it depends, I suppose, on whether you live in Florida or not and whether you have a politician or a public leader or public official who's going to stand between the culture and your children or not. 
someone going to cave to it, like Joe Biden, or is someone going to stand up to it, like Ron DeSantis? And what do you want the history books to say about you? Do you want them to say you were soft on the sexualization of children? Or do you want them to say you were tough on it? It's important to think about those kinds of legacies. It's also important that we write these darn history books. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 